the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can grab it there. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. Good program. Really interesting top stories. Some important economic data. What's going on with the Fed? And also, we're going to be talking about just some of these ridiculous financial policies, um, more ridiculous financial policies coming out of uh, Washington, D.C. You can't make this stuff up, as they say. You can't fix stupid, as they say. Um, But we're going to talk about it because it's going to impact the bulk of us, uh, unfortunately, in a negative way. So uh, stay tuned for that. So what we're seeing is inflation continues to be the chief concern for U.S. consumers. And most Americans are taking action to manage their balance sheet, according to a new report that I saw from McKinsey Consulting. So according to what they call the Great Uncertainty Report, 65% identify rising prices as their biggest worry, and 66% noted that they've taken steps to address their growing expenses because of this uh, extremely high inflation. Researchers also revealed that 44% have either reduced their savings or dipped into their rainy day fund to cover expenses. And nearly 18% have either taken on more credit card debt or paid the minimum balance due on their bill. People are hurting. And these idiots either, I can't, I can't believe they don't understand. They have to. This is intentional. I mean, they're driving this country into the ground like a tomato steak. It's just, it's sickening to watch. And, um... You know, when it came to health care with all the garbage after the virus made its way here from um, from China, you know, we could make a decision, our, our own decision. So if you wanted to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you didn't want to get the vaccine, don't get it, even though, unfortunately, some people lost their jobs um, and uh, total overreaction for shutting down uh, the economy and picking winners and losers, which the government is the worst in the world at doing that. We see that time and time again. But, um, you know, with this stuff that they're doing now, you're impacted whether you want to be or not. There's nowhere to hide. You know, again, before the government with the health stuff, don't get together for Thanksgiving. No more than whatever the arbitrary number was, eight or whatever. You know what? Shut up. I'm going to have Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner and Easter And I'm going to go see whoever I want in my family, if they're comfortable with it. So don't tell me what I can do and I can't do. This is different. I can't go to the gas station and decide I'm not going to get gas because it's expensive. Or diesel fuel because it's more expensive. I can't sit at the table with an empty plate because I have to eat, even though the prices are up. For people that have rents, they can't just say... Well, some of them are. I'm not paying my rent, which, of course, is going to lead to eviction because rents are up so high. So the latest economic conditions have forced consumers, all of us, particularly low and middle income households, those on fixed incomes, the poor, to alter 
their shopping habits. I mean, people are literally making life and death decisions. You know, can I afford a meal knowing I have to put gas in my car? Should I go to the doctor because it's time to have an important screening? Or no, I can't afford that $50 copay and other out-of-pocket money? Do I get baby formula for my child if you can find it, which is another disaster? Pete Buttigieg, I can't believe you see this guy on TV. You know, with the supply chain issues and the commerce secretary, as far as how that business is working, it's just, it's embarrassing. They're terrible. They're terrible. And believe me, I'll say it to their face. This isn't something where, you know, some people hide behind a microphone. People know when I've bumped into them before, um, I, you know, I'm polite, you know, I'm not going to be, uh, try to embarrass them in front of their family or friends, but they're going to know um, that people are watching and that things need to be said. In July, the annual food price index advanced 10.9%. That's the average. Eggs were up over 30% year over year in July. I'm not just talking about people having steak dinners and it costs some more. Eggs, butter, milk, fruit, pork chicken, you name it. This, again, isn't for coffee, right? I saw that was up. I think it was 20%, if I remember correctly. And food at home prices surged 13.1% year over year. People are really hurting. It's a talk of the town, everybody you, you bump into, unless you have a denier or somebody that's really embarrassed, which there's a lot of them out there. They don't want to talk about it. Bread? 13.7% year over year for bread. We're not talking caviar. So a recent consumer sentiment survey from NC Solutions learned that 83% of Americans expect their cost of living will increase somewhat or much more in the coming years. This isn't going away and don't get conditioned. As I used to say in the Obama administration, don't get conditioned to low expectations. Hey, gasoline's down. Nowhere near it was before these idiots took took over and stopped our energy independence. And the reason gas is down and, and energy prices, demand. People can't afford it. You see demand destruction shows uh you look at all the economic data which we'll get to in just a little bit some of these reports showing that um manufacturing and businesses are slowing down because they don't have that demand 65 percent concurred that their income has not increased as fast as the cost of food beverage and personal care products obviously right unfortunately but it's obvious I mean, you're looking at, again, just the headline number of 8.5% CPI, Consumer Price Index. Anybody get an 8.5% raise lately just to keep up with inflation? Much less the 30-plus percent for eggs or the 44, almost 45% increase in gasoline July to July. Anybody get a 44% increase in your pay? 
and they want to brag about wage gains. That's embarrassing. Shame on them for doing that. Yeah, people, you know, it, 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 I mean, like I'd said, into their savings, into their rainy day funds, taking out additional credit cards. It's just, uh, it's terrible. So then, you know, what do they do? They come out with the Build Back Better plan. I mean, they call it the Inflation Reduction Act, but really they just renamed Build Back Better for the most part. Same pig, more lipstick, little perfume, some sprinkle, you know, sprinkles on it, make it look good, sound good. Doesn't that sound good? Inflation Reduction Act. It's deceptively named, of course. And uh, they have a corporate tax increase embedded in that. Taxes. I mean, how does that help with inflation, right? It's just uh, more money out the door. And the way it's going to work, it could have as much as an $8 billion a year impact on low-income housing funds. Oh, wait. I thought it was uh, Joe Lunchbox and, you know, we're for the uh, working class. No, you're not. Not anymore, you're not. You're the elitist. So just say it. Own it. Please own something, some truth. The low-income housing tax credit is a dollar-for-dollar tax deduction introduced during President Reagan's administration. God rest his soul and all the good work he did. Um, And it has helped create and rehabilitate millions of homes for low-income Americans. Then you come out with this uh, fake Inflation Reduction Act, and it's 15% minimum corporate tax rate, and that could mean the corporations and the people who run them may reconsider their support if they get nothing to show for it. I mean, they're businesses, right? These are business people. They understand how the real world works, not just some blank check and um, unchallenged spending and printing of money. Actually, the guy that uh, wrote that piece, E.J. Antoni, a Ph.D. in economics, was uh, on the program a couple months ago. So, you know, don't we want to encourage investment? Well, with this this minimum uh, income tax, corporate tax, it creates less incentive to participate in that type of behavior. Low-income housing. I mean, we're talking about people getting a dollar-for-dollar tax deduction for helping pay for low-income housing. And they come out with some stupid minimum tax that they're trying to get around the world, that world order nonsense. That's not going to happen, by the way. They can try, but it's they're not going to be successful. Um. So what's happening here? We're seeing with all this crazy spending, the lack of demand, demand actually going down. Economic data, which, again, we'll get to in a minute, um, becoming worse. Ford announced this week they're laying off approximately 2,000 salaried employees, about 1,000 agency personnel. Why? Because they have to try to figure out implementing electric vehicle 
lines, basically. So they're firing people so they have that money, which, let me remind you, the bills that were passed, including the um, Build Back Better Inflation Reduction Act, has a ton of subsidies for um, green energy, even if it's not proven, right? Can you imagine if you're an executive at Ford or General Motors or any other manufacturer and you've just been told we're going to pay you to create vehicles to replace all the ones that are in place now because we're going to have some mandatory uh, time frames? They got to be and they're going to get paid. You know, they're going to make a ton of money. On both sides. They've got to be just laughing and high-fiving in their boardrooms. Comes at your expense. And we're not even, I'm not even going to go down the path right now of the destruction of Earth that will have to take place for the lithium and the cobalt and all the other garbage that they're going to use to create these battery-operated vehicles. So they're going to rape the earth, the surface, to try to say they're saving the sky, which is a lie. Um, But that's the game they're playing. Where does all that come from? Not here. Probably take you 9, 10, 12 years with all the rules and regulations and red tape, bureaucracy. If you did want to mine here, it's going to come from other countries. A lot of them that don't like us. We're already seeing supply chain issues. We have been. Just think if it gets worse. Or if they're able to hold it over your head like Russia's doing with natural gas to Germany right now. Where the officials over there are telling people, get ready to cut back on your heat in the winter when you're cold. Can't fix stupid. But, you know, back to Ford, you know, this move of cutting 3,000 jobs um, is just following through on what they said last month, that they will cut up to 8,000 jobs as part of its electric vehicle production expansion is what they're calling it. I think um, if if I I heard right on a podcast, up to 50 percent of uh, CEOs and COOs of corporations – said that they're going to uh, be cutting jobs next year. That's not very optimistic, is it? Then we have more government overreach. So even though the Supreme Court recently struck down overreach by the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission chairman, Gary Gensler, remains undeterred in expanding the agency's power beyond its constitutional boundaries which is like what Biden just did with uh, the, the whole um, student loan thing that we'll get into in a minute. But no, he's saying he's going to take over the uh, jurisdiction of crypto. But there has to be, you know, some congressional action there. But again, he's saying, you know, no, I'm going to do that. Just getting way ahead of where they should be. Um, real quick before we take a break. The number of Americans quitting their jobs for a different one declined in July. 
So that was according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, uh, their survey that was published on Monday I was reviewing. Um, It's a sign, obviously, that uh, the so-called great resignation is slowing down. So the rate of transitioning to a different employer declined to 4.1% in July compared to 5.9% the same month uh, a year ago. That was according, again, to what's called the Consumer Expectations Labor Market Survey from the New York Federal Reserve. Uh, The decline was most pronounced for women and for respondents with a household income less than $60,000. So I think what you're seeing is um, people are starting to look at the job market, the economy, the impact of inflation and all the other, unfortunately, negative information that uh, this administration and other elected officials around the country have caused and said, maybe I'm okay right where I am. Maybe it's not my best interest to be job hopping. Um, So they're looking at it from a security standpoint. So um, we'll keep a close eye on that for you. Quick break, back in a minute. Strong as gasoline, and it seemed to fuel the rage he had inside. He come home just burning. I thought learning a language would be too much work. Then I discovered Babbel. They make learning fun. J'aime Babel. Babbel's lessons only take. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can check it out there. And I uh, hope your weekend's going well. We're going to continue rolling with the uh, program. We've got some economic data, some Fed news. Before we get to the uh, the topic this morning, which is these just stupid um, additional spending plans that continue to come our way, the last being... Um, You're going to pay for your neighbor's college education, even though, um, I don't know, you didn't go to college or they're a brat. They don't deserve it. Or, oh, maybe they're getting a a degree in gender studies or underwater basket weaving. But that's okay. You're going to you and your kids and your grandkids are going to be sacked with uh, that additional debt above and beyond what uh, this administration and other politicians have already created. Uh, It's just pathetic. But we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, Some home data this week. Sale of new U.S. homes plunged more than expected in the month of July. We're looking at the lowest level we've seen in um, about six years. So new single-family home purchases tumbled 12.6 percent, according to the Commerce Department. That makes six consecutive months of declines, 12.6%. You know what economists were looking for? A drop of 2.5, and we get 12.6. You talk about a miss. Also, you look at an annual basis for July. July 2020, excuse me, 2022, 
uh, compared to just a year earlier, new home sales were down 29.6%. Um, the only thing that's not going down in housing, literally, is the price. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's, again, this destructive demand, demand destruction that they're talking about. Um, you look at the interest rates, for example, the average rate for a 30-year fixed was around 5.1 last week. That's I saw that from Freddie Mac. Just one, you know, one uh, example there. That's significantly higher than just one year ago when rates stood at 2.86. People are getting priced out of the market, right? Then you look at signed contracts to buy previously owned homes. Their pending home sales is how they're referred to. Lowest level in two years in July. Those higher prices, those rising mortgage rates continue to push, especially entry-level home buyers, out of the market. The National Association of Realtors said that its pending home sales index tumbled 19.9% in July, 20% drop. Over one year. So then uh, Lawrence Young, who's the National Association of Realtors chief economist, said that, um, you know, this is because of mortgage rates. And the, the you know, the higher prices are, are, are hurting people. We also saw that this will catch your attention. There was a new report from Redfin last week. And it showed that home sale cancellations soared in the month of July to another two-year high because buyers just retreated, backed out of what they had planned on doing. 63,000 home purchase agreements were called off in the month of July. That's a real number. So... um, and then, uh, you know, I talked earlier about business activity, uh, especially when you look at private U.S. companies. Earlier this month, we saw that they really dropped off the latest S&P uh, PMI report, Purchasing Manager Index, registered a level of 45 as of August 22nd. That's down from the 47.7 in the month of July. Anything below 50 is contraction. It's not what you want, but that's what we got. And the good thing about the PMI is um, you can look at other countries' PMIs. So you can see how we compare to China, how we compare to the United Kingdom, how we compare to Australia, how we compare to India, etc. So the data, according to the senior economist at S&P Global Market Intelligence, said is certainly pointing to a downturn. Uh, Not what you want to see, right? Then we swing around, we get to the Fed. Our guy, Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond President uh, Thomas Barkin, I'd say that, I mean, he's the president. uh, I say for us because, I mean, I know we have listeners across the country, and I I appreciate you. Um, But anyway, you know, Thomas Barkin said the central bank was resolved to curb red-hot inflation, even if that meant risking a U.S. economic recession. So he said he was down Ocean City, um, and he said that, uh, you know, 
The Fed's committed to returning inflation to their 2% target, and they'll do what it takes to get there. 8.5% all the way down to 2%. Oh, going to be painful if they, you know, if they actually do that. Um, He said they're going to try to do it without a tremendous decline in activity, but of course had to say there is risk. Um, There's a, he said there's a path to getting inflation under control. Yeah, it is raising interest rates. And again, that uh, demand destruction. And he said that a a recession could happen in the process. I think everybody, you know, pretty much realizes that. And then you have uh, the St. Louis Fed Bank President, uh, James Bullard, saying that he wants another 75 basis point move. Uh, Kansas City's Esther George, um, you know, she said that there's going to be a lot of data before the September meeting. Um, And, you know, again, they're going to be very uh, thoughtful in what they do. Um. So for the Federal Reserve officials who had uh, votes, especially uh, in, in, you know, in 2021, not not just 2022, but 21 and 22, that went with Powell, the chairman, and said, yeah, yeah, let's uh, keep rates where they are, basically at zero percent. Let's keep spending $80 billion a month to prop up the markets, amass a $9 trillion balance sheet. They're they're guilty as anybody. Heck with the consensus thing. I know that's the norm at the Federal Reserve. You want to, you know, kind of show your allegiance with the chairman. It's a gentlemanly thing to do. Stupid. Come on, you guys. You're, You're famous for keeping interest rates at the wrong place for too long and creating these asset bubbles or inflationary pressure. And then you're running, you know, around like your hair's on fire saying you're going to fix it. I mean, what did Powell say yesterday in uh, the, the whole thing out there, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where they have their big symposium or whatever, He's going to tackle inflation forcefully. Oh, really? You mean the inflation you call transitory? You're going to do uh, something forcibly after you've uh, lost pretty much every ounce of credibility the Federal Reserve has. Just like, you know, these other uh, government agencies, even though they're supposed to be independent. You know, we really saw that that's not true with Janet Yellen when um, Obama was in. And, uh, I mean, she was just a lackey. And then you've got, I guess, Powell was a stooge to uh, to, uh, Biden because he wanted to get reappointed, right? Why else would you leave interest rates at 0% when every month you saw uh, inflation going up, report after report? Doesn't make any sense, does it? So it just had to be selling your soul so you could get reappointed. And then we go back to the inflation. People can't pay their their debt. They're taking out credit cards. Food banks are running out. People are making those decisions between food, energy, health care, rent, you name it. Just um, 
so, so selfish. Really is. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about, um, well, the foolish policies that we've seen lately and uh, the damage that's going to be done. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can grab it there. And um, okay, so again, along with inflation uh, and a lot of other um, negative subjects, we'll talk about this uh, student loan deal um, that uh, is really receiving a lot of pushback, hilarious to watch the White House spokesman even act like she knows anything about finance or how the economy works or debt. Um, You know, just another example of somebody put somewhere because of they needed a couple boxes checked. And then you see how poorly they do their job and um, you kind of cringe. Uh, I hardly watch her, but um, gosh, it's got to be embarrassing. I don't know who's in her echo chamber, you know, along with her saying everything's great. You're doing a great job, you know. I mean, because obviously she can't convey any type of answer with certainty and assurance. Um, Even the, well, the bulk of the um, credential press when she's up there, you can see they're either keeping their heads down or kind of looking around out of the side of their eyes like, are you guys hearing what I'm hearing? <laughs> so anyway, I got off uh, got off the rail there. But um, the bottom line from this forgiving student debt, number one, it's unconstitutional. We've heard even from Pelosi that uh, it can't be done. Uh, unilaterally by Biden. This is something that has to be done uh, after going through Congress. But we've seen them say that and then just go ahead and do it anyway. That's their M.O. Um, So hopefully it's going to be challenged in court and we'll win and uh, we won't have this stupid policy. Um, Number one, it's unconstitutional. Number two, it's a bribery. They know how badly they're going to be beat in the House uh, in November. So they're trying to bribe. I don't know. Maybe it'll work, right? I mean, you start telling young people that they're going to be able to save a couple hundred bucks a month of their uh, student loan payment. <sighs> I think you get pretty popular, especially if, you know, they don't have a love for the country don't have any self-respect or dignity in, um, you know, in paying back a loan that they knowingly took out and had to pay back. But, you know, you've got the findings 
from Penn Wharton budget model. That's up at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business. And uh, they're coming out saying that an estimated uh, that a one-time forgiveness of that $10,000 per borrower is going to cost about $300 billion. And it's available to individuals with incomes up to $125,000. So let's just say you've got a couple, maybe they went to Ivy League schools, making $125,000 each, so household income of two fifty, And they're having their loan forgiven, but... That debt's not forgiven. Someone has to pay that debt. It just doesn't magically disappear. So who pays it? You, your kids, your grandkids, either by taxation and or what are they going to do, sell more debt to China and other countries that don't like us? That debt doesn't go away. You're just transferring who's going to pay for it. But that's okay. I mean, you've got these, uh, again, I'll use that example. Ivy League, husband and wife, young couple, making 250000 And um, you're going to pay their, their student loan, part of it. How do you feel about that? How much sense does that make? And again, you know, you've got some of these that are sitting around with student loan debt. They can't find a job. Because they did gender studies or some stupid major, and they're wondering why they can't get a job. $300 billion between 69% and 73% of any debt forgiven would accrue to households that are in the top 60% of income distribution in this country. You're buying votes. You're embarrassing. Especially when you try to raise your voice when you're giving the speech about it that you can't you can't even read your teleprompter. You're hurting Americans on a daily basis with the inflation. Now you just add more spending to it because again that debt has to be paid. Because this comes at a time of soaring prices from everything from food to gas to rent. So now you're going to wipe out billions in loan debt or transfer it, I should say, to uh, to other Americans. Um, and you're going to make the inflation crisis worse. Oh, and also that debt goes on top of the record high $30 trillion that we already have. Not taking into consideration the $8 trillion or $9 trillion, whatever it is now at the Federal Reserve, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. This is foolish policy. There's been a ton of it. This is just the latest one. It eliminates responsibility Sets a terrible example. It's a handout, not a hand up like they try to make it sound. Who's going to win? Universities. They've been winning. Ever since uh, the government got involved in student loans. 
And you've got these pathetic professors. Not all. I know some of them are top shelf. But others, they couldn't run a lemonade stand. And the garbage that they try to teach, and I know this out of experience. I'm not just, I'm not just running my mouth, I, honest. With kids through college and one still in co- two still in college, I hear, I see what they want them to do, a paper on critical thinking is, or why Baltimore is hotter than other places. And then when you hear the professor's response and what they say the reason is, you'll fall off your seat. You'll fall off your seat. And that's just, again, because I know firsthand. Using data from the nonprofit college board that came out last year, the average cost of going to a private college, including tuition, fees, books, room and board, went from $2,930 per year in 1971 to $51,690 in 2021. That's an increase of roughly 4.6 times the rate of inflation over the last 50 years. Not any better for public colleges. They went from $1,410 annually to $22,690 for in-state students, and then $39,500 for out-of-state students as of last fall. A New York Federal Reserve report found that federal expansion in student loan credit in the late 80s led institutions to raise tuition prices by 60, 60 percent. The New York Fed further noted that student debt has continued to grow unabated. Get the government involved. You get these colleges that want to get these professors and these big fancy buildings. And that's what you get. It's a shame, isn't it? It's really a shame. Here's the other part. You've got these universities that have hundreds of millions, and then you look at whatever, like $40 billion, $50 billion at Harvard, in endowment funds, and you're forgiving, not forgiving, I'm sorry, transferring student loan debt from those colleges and others to us? Like I said, it's embarrassing. Um, and don't let them do it. You know, We all need to do our homework and understand not what's being said, but what's being done. Policy. We need to understand the policy and vote accordingly.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. Wrapping things up, you know, the other uh, what makes that subject uh, even worse that we were talking about um, pretty much all morning long, the uh, the debt transfer for college uh, students um, committee for a responsible federal budget. Maya McGinnis, uh, the president, she's been on the program before. Uh, they do a lot of good work. Uh, and believe it or not, they're down the middle. Um, they're not partisan. If you look at, you go into their website, Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, you'll see names on both sides of the aisle. So they're really, so they'll, they'll tell you, they're not against spending, but responsible spending is what they want to see that shows you have a way to pay for this spending so that there's an offset so that we don't continue to add debt to the country and to the taxpayers and to our kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, you name it. They actually said this week that the cost for this, um, this student debt transfer is going to be between 440 billion and 600 billion over time. So they did a central estimate of roughly 500 billion dollars. So obviously that's a lot more than the 300 billion that even I was using earlier um but you know they're they're talking about how much of all of this debt that's just been accruing by the administration. Um, And they come up with that $500 billion on top of all the other spending. And it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's bribery. This is in in particular, um, it's not helping poor people. Uh, I mean, you know, they're going to use your tax money, as I said, or they're going to uh, have to sell more debt, which, of course, we're going to be responsible for one way or the other as well. Um, So it's bribery. Uh, They're trying to buy votes before the election because they know how badly they're going to lose. Um, But as I mentioned, we've got to think we've got to understand policy. And I know for people that didn't go to college. Uh, or that you did go to college and you paid all of your debt, or if you're a mom or dad and, um, you know, you paid debt for your children or if you're a grandparent um, or whoever, um, you you know, you did the responsible thing. You did the right thing. You did the normal thing. Uh, And now all of a sudden you're going to have to pay for your neighbor's kids' uh, college debt. And what happens when the government gets involved? Like I said, once they got involved with uh, loans, we saw the universities take advantage of that and just keep pace, increasing their tuition. And then um, now you've got them, the government, um, being involved in forgiving loans. So how do you think that's going to go? You think they're going to take it away? They never take anything away. Right? So uh, it doesn't look good. And uh, it's really a shame. And what I was getting at is if, like, say you came out of high school and you um, became a tradesman and 
made those investments on your own and, of course, paid them back if you needed a truck and trailer or whatever it might be or some equipment or some tools. Um, and, you're, you know, you're going to pay for somebody else's kid's college. Like I said, up to, I don't know, down the street, maybe a couple making $250,000 a year. And you're going to pay for their uh, loan transfer, taxes, sell the debt, whatever it's going to be, along with all the other debt that they're creating. So um, please understand the policies. Don't listen to people. Um, Learn what they do, how they vote. And who knows what else is in this bill along with these other bills. I mean, they don't even let you know what's in them before they vote on them. And that's both sides. That's their their stupidity not to uh, demand that everybody have time to review, provide information to their constituents, and then vote. But I guess that makes too much sense, huh? (laughs) All right, that does it for us. I'll stop. Um, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express when I'm with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. That's always fun. Live calls at 5.50 a.m., 6.50 a.m., and 7.50 a.m. Weekday mornings uh, on the Morning News Express with those guys. And uh, then we're back here next Saturday with another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Hope you enjoy the rest of the, uh, the weekend and that you have a great week next week. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com a service of Holtzapple Heating and Air Conditioning News Radio 930 WFMD Frederick a connoisseur media radio station 7 o'clock